and brightest day and blackest night. All other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And I'm Jim Ford. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 419. More garbage. <laughs> Holiday garbage. <laughs> Holiday garbage? Is it hot garbage? Is it just garbage? What To, to what extent do you say garbage, sir? Molten. Molten garbage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Oh, man. So we have a, a, a guinea pig here tonight with us to do what we will not. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I did do the last one also. True. Yeah. This is true. Um, and you and you did and I you mean, did essentially volunteer for that one. So you deserve combat pay. If you didn't get it, you, if you didn't get it for that recording, you should definitely get it as a bonus for doing the last Doing the last two. I'm sure that the check is in the mail. It's just <laughs> held up by the Postal Service. And the blizzard. Yes. <laughs> and coronavirus. <laughs> uh, and uh, recounts of election. Yeah, I was just going to say in voter fraud. So, yes. uh, uh, so, so you'll get it before 2024, Jim. Don't worry. Uh, I will hold my breath. <laughs> Maybe we should tell them what we're actually talking about since we haven't actually said it. Should we? Should we really? <laughs> <laughs> Do we need to? Do we need? That's that's it. That's that's the uh, that's the key. We're talking about a Silver Age issue tonight, right? That's no. what this is. <laughs> no, a Silver Age issue would be easy to understand if you might actually care for the brief, for the ten minutes it would take to go through the. The reading of the issue. No, we're going. We're doing the Green Lantern season two, number nine, as this horrible, horrible second season of Grant Morrison's run on this book is mercifully coming to an end soon. Liam Sharp, still love your art, but uh, yeah, no, not 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 a fan of this. But uh, it's 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 this is this is your pig. This is your farm. Have a have, a, have fun, Jim. <laughs> and, and it's slop, so it's appropriate. <laughs> That's, that is such an intro. <laughs> oh, man. It's going to be difficult to focus after that, especially on this. <sighs> okay, so we got Green Lantern, Season 2, Issue 9. Uh, we have um, a pretty pretty stellar cover. Is this, is this a throwback to a previous cover? Ooh, don't know. I will... I'll go to comics.org and find out. Because I'm almost positive that I've seen something like this before. I don't know if it was a Green Lantern cover or like a romance novel cover, but I'm pretty sure that this has been something Green Lantern-y before. 
Um, yeah, so if anybody out there is – because uh, we haven't actually talked about this particular resource in a while. But if you're not familiar, uh, comics.org is the URL, and it's called Grand Comics Database. And you can find lots of stuff like who wrote what, who drew what, uh, creative credits the, like that, uh, various cover images, so on and so forth uh, mm-hmm. for all types of series, including very old issues. So, And I have, okay, so- and I have the crappy variant cover, so I have no idea. <laughs> What's on the variant cover? It's like this weird pink, pur- purplish pink background with a really horribly drawn Hal flying around. Some they almost look like monoliths. It, but they're mecha- I don't know. It's crap. It's really crap. Uh, oh. the, every, everything we talked about related to Far Sector about how some how the variant covers for Far Sector have seemingly been good. This is what this appropriately considering the issue. That this variant cover is everything I hate in variant covers because it's just an absolute shit show. Uh, speaking of which, before we delve in, I I was correct in well actually I was not quite correct. At uh, my comic shop, they forgot to pull Far Sector for me at all. So when I went there on Wednesday, <laughs> I had the option of either cover, and just for you, Chad, I picked the variant cover. And I did mention it in conversation to my. My guy there, I said, uh, well, Chad didn't really like this cover. And he said, why, why? He said, why? Why didn't he like this cover? And he looks at it, well, it is a little cartoony, he said. It's like, that's exactly what Chad said. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jim. <laughs> now, now on to the garbage. <laughs> okay. So, um, the, oh, uh, and just as a quick description for everybody that's, I guess doesn't have this cover. The main cover is um, Hal Jordan proposing to Carol Ferris with a Green Lantern ring on one knee while Green Lantern Hal Jordan is bursting in through the door and sees this with astonishment. The Wedding of the Trillennium. So the book starts out on the planet Craneltine, uh, Space Sector 2814, and Hal is basically like i guess giving testimony as to why um hyperman is guilty of you know his crimes and uh uh there's a under the influence of uv ocean tine zoomorium or in this case earthite um which (laughs) we should go without saying none of these substances exist so basically the the defense is saying that yes, Ultraman is absolutely committing these crimes, as you know, or Hulk Hyperman rather, um, in the previous issues. Uh, was it issue seven? That six, six and seven? That was the uh, Hyperman issues, or five and six? I guess it would oh. be five and six. Don't ask me to remember. My brain immediately. <laughs> yes, five and six. <laughs> five and six, right? Because seven was the good issue. That was the house yeah. was a Spectre-ish issue. Right, and last one was the backwards issue. Uh-huh. So, Which I still haven't read. <laughs> smart plan. Stick stick with that. Make make that your 2021 re- resolution, Chad. Don't touch that book ever. <laughs> the minute I heard it was backwards, I was like, too much? Draw the line? I'm not even going to read it for the show. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, okay. So, now, like I said, Hal Jordan is uh, he's giving his testimony as to why uh, Hyperman is evil and should be locked up. And the the defense is basically just like, yeah, no, he's definitely doing these things, but he's a good person 
and it's only temporary while he's under the influence of these things, which Hal Jordan is basically like, yeah, those things don't actually exist. So, but everybody loves Hyperman for the times that he's good, that they just kind of want to overlook the times that he is a sociopath and commits heinous acts of murder and whatnot. So, so after we get that fun trial, then uh, we got uh, Hal with um, what, what's the bird one? This one, uh, is it Trilla or Is it Trilla True or something? Yes, like Trilla True. Yes. So he's, you know, he's at hanging with Trillatru and, you know, they're talking about how, you know, a grave injustice is going to happen because he's probably going to get out. And, you know, she's like, well, she's like, let's go, you know, have a drink, eat something or whatever and, and talk. And he's just like, no, I'm going to go do basically anything else. He's like, I, I've got things that I've got to do. So he, you know, space folds back to Earth to visit Carol Ferris because I guess that's important right now. Uh, and he walks in with, with emerald energy flowers. That was a nice touch. And what does he see? Hal Jordan proposing to Carol Ferris with a Green Lantern ring. And just before he can go in and say, what the heck is going on here? He's stopped by Star Sapphire from Earth-11. Um, she's going to explain everything, but there's no time. There's no time to explain, <laughs> so... Off they go, boom, boom, cubing to the bed uh, to her Earth Eleven, um, and Hal is you know really confused and also pissed off because they just left his Carol with a duplicate Hal Jordan, which he later finds out is the Hal Jordan slash Green Lantern from Earth Eleven that she needed to leave with Carol because of it was a diversion or something like that um, when. Hal from Earth Zero and Carol from Earth Eleven leave and go to Earth Eleven. Uh, it sets off like I guess scanning from the golden the gold Zundernell, that golden creature thing. Um, he yeah, he can't get a, a lock on it right now for whatever reason. Uh, he's trying to lock on. Um, then we get this Earth Eleven Hal Jordan talking to earth zero carol basically saying you know that he loves you you know he loves her and you know he wants to marry her and he wants to make an honest woman of her and you know like it's very um i guess kind of cringy talk um art's a little weird too but we'll get to that um so yeah so after she you know rejects him then, you know, he's like, he's like, this is, you know, all all you ever really wanted was not Hal, it was Green Lantern. So he, you know, powers up and he becomes the Earth-11 Green Lantern, which, you know, we'll discuss that in a minute. But he has um, no sleeves. That's that's the important takeaway. He has no sleeves. Um, so uh, he basically, you know, he wants star sapphire to come out so he kisses her and then uh we flash over to earth 11 where hal is getting a brief recap of the history of earth 11 and on this universe the zamorans left oa and made contact with the um the amazonian culture on earth so um i guess the two of them combined and made the you know the star sapphires earlier or something like that 
in response, oh, is authoritarian old immortals, they become the patrons of the pan cosmos and they have a chosen son from each um, each sector. Uh, and they're basically, um, now what's the term? Uh, incels. So, um, yeah, it's 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 weird. They, they get out of uh, the commute to Earth-11, and Star Sapphire realizes that her moon has been, I don't know, destroyed, something hit it, um, the Golden Destroyer. Um, meanwhile, that Earth's Justice League is working to fix the moon. You've got Marsha Manhunter. Um, is it Marcia, Star? Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Starboy. Uh, later on, you have Batwoman, Mrs. Terrific, and uh, there's even a uh, a female Green Arrow in the background. They're fixing the the moon, and uh, for whatever reason, uh, Star Sapphire kisses Hal from Earth Zero. The Golden Destroyer locks on, um, goes to destroy them. And at that moment, the Hal from the Green Lantern from Earth 11 crashes into a car, and we see Carol Ferris from Earth Zero, Star Sapphire, asking, you know, why this guy was sent to her Earth, and she's now declaring war. Um, and then the Golden Zundernell pops into the universe, grabs Star Sapphire from Earth Zero. And says the Nomad Empire is returned to repossess what's ours. Uh, Star Sapphire from Eleven says she didn't realize that there were Star Sapphires on Earth Zero, which makes zero sense. But uh, she didn't plan for that. And then it's to be continued. Multi-crisis on intimate Earths up next. Do we really need to say anything more? Um... (laughs) What a oh, I got thoughts. Oh, yes. Go ahead, Jim. Feel, feel free. As opposed to just Chad and I just saying how much, you know, we just don't, how much we just want to, like, throw up just by, you did a very good summarizing of, of the horrible issue, but just but just being taken back. It, it's like being, it's like having flashbacks, you remembering a, a, something that you had suppressed in your head, <laughs> your memory. It's like being, I, I remember this traumatic event now thanks to therapy, and now I can't stop thinking about it. That's what this that's what this mess is like. Um, okay, so... Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, Jesus Christ has nothing to do with this issue on any level. <laughs> I think um, the the thing that really sticks out the most to me with this is that the, 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 uh, the Guardians on Oa, like... And this is this is kind of a big deal to me because like Grant Morrison, who like is obsessed with the Silver Age and tying things into it, of all people should know that there's only one Oa like in all the multiverse, you know, so like that's why there's only like the one set of Guardians. So like it doesn't make sense that there's another set of Guardians on another Oa in this universe. I mean, like that's 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 one thing that sticks out to me. Um like, another thing that really sticks out to me is, like, how the hell would that Star Sapphire not realize that on Earth Zero they also have Star Sapphires? You know, like, you're living on Earth-11, and you know that you're on Earth-11. Like, you know that Hal Jordan is from Earth-Zero. Like, how would you think that Earth-11 would have more lanterns than Earth-Zero? 
Like, it's just, it, it that doesn't make any sense. You know, like, you know that Hal is on Earth Zero, and you know that everything else is basically spawning from that. It's some relationship to that. Like, how do you make out a whole plan and not realize that there's another Star Sapphire? That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't really, I mean, it, it, I guess because they have some kind of boom boom tube technology that they could get from Earth to Earth. But, I mean, it really shouldn't be that easy for them to do. But, yeah, she's just like, yep, time to pop over to another universe. Which, okay, I will give them that because she has a boom cube. But how the hell, then, does Carol from Earth Zero then boom tube over? Like, she follows them. Like, the, the, the doorway was closed. Like, how the hell did she come through? Doesn't make any sense. The Golden Zundernail, like, I... The Goldens, they call it the Golden Destroyer. So I don't know if there's a Golden Zundernail and a Gold Destroyer, if they're two different things. Um, I, I guess maybe that's something. Maybe, like, one is from one universe and one's from another. Isn't Zundernail just... I thought Zundernail is the Golden Destroyer. I Like, that's what I thought, too, but that kind of doesn't really make sense because the golden zundernell is like like he was reciting the um that oath the golden zundernell oath and he was fairly lucid and this one is just like um just like robotic and scanning and wants to destroy so that leads me to believe that there's multiple like there's two different ones and i read this ever so briefly today and i hated it but i think they might touch upon that in issue 10 I think. Okay. I could be wrong because again, I read it. I read it tonight, and I instantly regretted it. But but <laughs> but, but it. I think I think there could be a, a, a reference to that in the next issue. I mean, I I hope so. I hope that they address it in some way because this character seems very different than the Gold Sundernell, but also in a way very similar. But also, it doesn't really make any sense that he would be working with the. Um, what was that stupid thing? The the Nomad Empire from the Stuttering Baby issue was that our issue four, I believe three or four with the Flash. Uh, yeah, I mean it, it was interesting seeing the Justice of uh, the Justice Guild from Earth Eleven. Um, the um, God, I, I don't I don't know. Now the 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 one thing that I will say is. Like, I I really enjoy Liam Sharp's artwork, and I think that he is a very, like, extremely talented artist. But the thing that is very strange to me is the shifting styles, like, constantly. Like, we get, like, a pretty, like, consistent style throughout the court case, and... Then when Hal like walks in and sees the, you know, other version of Hal with with Carol, like that's a completely different art style. And then when Star Sapphire from Earth 11 comes in, this is yet another completely different, you know, art style. And like the colors are like sketched in almost watercolory like which I guess might be trying to indicate that this is what happens like with the universe when a boom cube opens up and closes or whatever. Um, I mean, I can buy that, but, you know, like, the whole thing with Carol and, you know, the other Hal, like, this artwork, for one thing, I get that it's supposed to try and, like, be reminiscent of Romance Age comics, um, 
but I mean, you know, like there's one thing in emulating a style and another thing to like emulate the fact that it was done badly. Cause I mean, I, like I said, I know that Liam Sharp is a fantastic artist, but like you've got this panel where Hal is like his hands are clenched in fists underneath his head at angles that are literally unnatural to a human being. And they look extra awkward because of it. Like, I don't, I don't need that. Like, that doesn't make sense in the story. So, you know, and then, like, he he puts his ring on and the art style changes again. And, like, the art style shifts so often that it seems like it has to be, like, a um, like a, an element of the story. But it, it makes no sense. I Like, we don't, like, like they're, they're either this has something to do with the story or... Graham Morrison basically just tell Liam Sharp, like, um, have fun with it. Switch your styles up and, you know, constantly rotate through styles and, you know, it'll be fun and cool to see or whatever, even though it makes, like, no sense to the comic. I don't know. So He does. What? Graham Morrison does tell him that stuff. He tells him to change up the styles and it doesn't matter? No, he gives he gives him art direction. Uh, I mean, obviously, any any creative team, they give somebody they give the artist art direction. But uh, through a uh, Twitter back and forth I had with Liam this past week, uh, he did mention that uh, he uh, that Grant influences his art where he goes with things quite a bit. Uh, and uh, and allows him to uh, you know take these sort of leaps uh, in artistic uh, styles and allows him to explore things like he's never done before. Now, I mean, if it's addressed like in story, then that's awesome. But otherwise, it's just it's very jarring. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, Mark, go ahead because <laughs> I. I was told if I have nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. So I will save my comments till the end, and I'll I'll try and put whatever positive spin I have onto onto tape. <laughs> I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna have much positive to add to this too. I agree the I agree the artwork the artwork was good. Uh, I also agree that, and I've never been a huge huge fan of the shifting art styles. I understand when you're doing multiverse hopping. I understand it makes <clears throat> it makes sense on some basic level to try to distinguish a style which also says oh so no you know these characters are from earth 85.3 because they all look because it's a different style than 84 point you know 853.21 but it is it is pretty jarring in this issue because it is all over the map all over you know i just i don't care about the story i don't I, it's really hard to get it, to believe there's a cohesive story being told in this season. At least, at least in season one, you knew it all had to do with with the Black Star and Control of Mu. You knew it all. That was the that was the straightforward, overarching plot. Even though there were a bunch of issues in that season that kind of you know made the left at Albuquerque, but. You still knew that that was driving. I can't. I don't even know what the hell the, the whole point of this season is at this point because it's like we spent the whole thing dealing with, with you know, with uh, the Hyperman and with all those. That that was like the beginning of that was like the first major thing go, that was going on. And now we've been and now we've kind of moved beyond that. And now we're dealing with all all the all, back to this multiverse jumping and things like that. I have, I don't know, I even though this season still has the best, probably, arguably, the best issue of the entire Morrison run with that Spectre issue, the reality is I just, it's not co- cohesive to me. 
and it's even less cohesive than the first than the first season. And I, there's not much. There really isn't much to say about, about it. It's like this is this book has been very very disappointing. Not I'm not going to say I'm surprised that I that this book is not is not my cup of tea. But it's still disappointing that this book, which has had some issues in it. Which were are not a total jumble of eight thousand different characters and multiverses and uh, art styles all thrown into one, just taking it and confusing just to throw names and uh, and and Mrs. Terrific who looks like what a, who, is she supposed to be Amanda Waller because she certainly looks like her. Uh, I don't I don't get I don't get any of this and it's just while I'm not looking forward to future what the post future state Green Lantern book is going to be at this moment I can't say I can't say I'm. <laughs> I would rather this book continue than that because I don't like this book. I don't like it at all. I mean, it makes you long for the Robert Venditti book because even though we know the landing was not stuck the majority of the time, at least there were some interesting stories and there were some very, and a hell of a lot more interesting issues than what we've gotten from the Morrison run. That's pretty much what I have to say about that. I, um, I have to imagine that this season is like it's got to be pushing towards that cosmic grail type thing because in the first season like they talk about it and there's a quest for the cosmic grail but it turns out to like not really be anything and then after the whole black star thing we find out that it's actually real and that's where the guardians go because you know now that that's real, they got to go stop a megaverse war or whatever. So we we heard like years and years and years ago from the the multiversity that Earth 15 was destroyed and the only remnant was the the cosmic grail. So they make a comment in it here that imagine an all powerful living weapon from the dawn of time. We unlocked it on Earth 15. Um, so. I mean, like, the whole Cosmic Grail, Golden Zundernell, Golden Destroyer, like, all of that stuff has to, it has to be addressed, I would think. I mean, like, you know, he's got, what, three issues after this to tie up the entire thing. And basically, like, I would suspect either address the Cosmic Grail thing, you know, which is one of his, you know, bigger like Easter eggs that's never been fully actually addressed, you know, and walk away from Green Lantern, you know, for most likely ever and never be able to address it again. Or it's just like a dangling plot thread that nobody will probably ever deal with. Um, the, um, the Mrs. Ms. Fantastic, Mrs. Not Mrs. Terrific, Mrs. Terrific, whatever the, the design, the character design for that, like like you mentioned the whole Amanda Waller thing like she doesn't look like she's in shape which for like a Mr. Terrific like analog that seems like very strange but even more so is the hair like that hair is completely illogical for like that character like man or woman there's no possible way like mr terrific would never allow his hair to like get so big and be able to like block his vision or become a um something that could be used against him like that just doesn't make any sense so i i I think that part was poorly planned (sighs) 
Oh, okay. Uh, so positives here. Uh, Jim, you were talking about the cover. Um, uh, yes. No, I, I checked uh, All-American Comics. I checked uh, the other Golden Age series called Green Lantern. I checked the Silver Age, that uh, the issues that went all the way up to when it was called Green Lantern Core. Nothing. What I did notice that was interesting, though, it's this this cover here. For Green Lantern season two number nine, it's one of the reason the the sorry one of the very rare times you ever see two versions of Hal on the cover at the same time in terms of civilian identity and uh, and hero identity. Because uh, I was looking through the Silver Age issues and I didn't see anything that matched this, but I did notice the cover to um, the Silver Age Green Lantern number seventeen, which is titled the the Spy Eye that Doomed Green Lantern. Uh, has two versions of Hal on the cover, and it's I didn't see very many of those as I paged through. So whether that's you know neither here nor there. So the fact that you thought it was reminiscent of something definitely lends to the fact that this is a good cover. It's doing what it's supposed to. Uh, mm-hmm. Not only is the art good, it mimics the Silver Age, and the pose, the layout, the background, all is in such a way that. It, it, it makes you go, I've seen this before, but you haven't, at least not in terms of uh, the Green Lantern title. Uh, because in looking at the covers for various Green Lantern spheres, especially the Silver Age, it's all like this. you got foreground, midground, and then very little background, lots of cover text, and so on and so forth. And that's what we have here. So that's awesome. Uh, I appreciate that that was done. Uh, as for how you were asking how... Uh, how Carol, our Carol, got to this universe. It's possible that maybe if if Carol of Earth-11 has the tech, maybe Hal has the tech. Who knows? Maybe he had it in his ring. Maybe he had it on him. I don't know. Uh, Obviously, Carol uh, of Earth-11 lured him there. Um, But, you know, uh, whether she did so with her own tech or they both use their individual tech, who who the hell knows? I haven't read 10 yet. So, uh, you know, I don't know. Um... Art looks great. Uh, I saw on Twitter that uh, Liam Sharp said that he just received uh, the last day or so the script for the final issue, so he's working on that right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, you know uh, that's where we're getting pretty close to this this being wrapped up. I do appreciate uh, what Morrison's uh, what Morrison did here in terms of mimicking the Silver Age in his story, in terms of the romance. Because one of the things that we remember uh, or talk often about when we have reviewed Silver Age issues is how batshit crazy Carol sounds. And just, I love that that was reversed sort of in this issue. Hal sounds absolutely insane. Um, uh, And, uh, you know, (laughs) uh, super enamored, uh, you know, talking about a woman's place and stuff like that. So not only did they match the insane romantic tone of the Silver Age with a role reversal. They also sort of went old school values too, uh, in some way. So I thought that was interesting. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, and it's nice to see other lanterns again. Uh, why Carol sounds like Carol all the way up until the end where she shows up and says what she says. Yeah, your world sent this preening peacock to assault me star sapphire hereby declares war that sounds like old school star sapphire you know when you know i guess now we would call it the entity when the predator took her over or whatever or her just insane 
mentality as the star sapphire um so i wonder what happened to her um i don't know is this even our carol uh again i haven't read 10 yet so i don't know i think i think 10 does again going by my horrible brief reading of it i know there is what i do know i absolutely remember there is some talk in issue 10 about something about my host carol ferris or something so i think they definitely are referring to somebody having the predator in them even without, I don't think they name the predator. I don't think the predator gets a name drop, but since they they use host, and they're referring to Carol, it's probably safe to say that that's what we're talking about. But that's again based on my my initial reading of the issue. Okay, so let's say so something happened between the panels that we didn't see. Um, uh, so at least my read on that was was right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, look, I'm not going to harp on it. I've done that in other issues uh, past. I, I'm not a fan of Morrison's style. In the conversation that I had with more with Liam Sharp over on Twitter, the brief kind of back and forth that we had, uh, Liam obviously as his creative partner tried to defend Morrison because I, I did mention that I didn't like you know I, I didn't say it I didn't like make the conversation about it. But something I said led led Liam to try and defend Morrison, and he he pointed out, and he's right that as an artistic partner, you know, not only is he Morrison's not just giving him a script. He's saying he's setting the scene. He's telling you know, in some cases, he's saying, hey, this is a action shot. I would kind of like it to look like this, and so on and so forth. So not you know, obviously Liam does his own work. He has his own talent, and so on and so forth. But in some ways, the ideas and the way things are situated and posed and the the setting and kind of the ideas for the aliens in the background or what this world looks like or maybe the artistic style he would prefer Liam to use for said scene, whatever the case may be, some of the things that we like about the art come from Morrison uh, in some ways. So, you know, I'm not I'm not just trying to say that to to, you know, sway the Morrison fans or whatever, but. That is true. That's that's what happens in a creative team on a, on any title. Um, but the writing, the writing is what kills me. I look, guys. I read a lot of comics, a lot of comics that come out every week. It's very hard to remember what in the holy hell happened in the last issue of any given comic you've read. That's why I would think more and more people are going towards you know trade paperbacks or original graphic novels or and so on and so forth but like it's already hard to remember to keep up to stay interested when i put down your comic after just reading it and i've already forgotten what in the holy hell happened because i didn't understand it when i was reading it that's a problem so like there were people. Look, if if you if you like the book, if you don't like the book, that's neither here nor there. We're just here to give our opinions, and I know there are a lot of people out there who love this title, um, and maybe don't want to listen to us just rag on it all the time. But I I'm not gonna fake nice. I the the nice things I said at the beginning of when I started talking that was all 100 percent sincere. But the story is one thing because let's 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 separate plot and script. The plot is relatively interesting we're exploring the multiverse we're exploring this idea of the cosmic grail which was something that was mentioned years ago that we never heard anything more about had become this mystery kind of forgotten about thing in green lantern lore that we never thought we'd get to be able to explore in the first place so the fact that morrison got the title came back to this started exploring some of these ideas that he had laid the groundwork for years ago 
you know, that's all cool. That's all well and good. We got some dark stars. We got, I mean, we let's let's be real. We've got a lot of cool concepts and and things like that. It's just it's the script and particularly the dialogue. I just cannot look. The cover says Trillennium. We're we're making up nonsense words on the cover, <laughs> like the in the the backwards issue that I can't even bring myself to read. Like there's. There's there's Morrison and then there's Morrison and uh, this is a this is a holy fuck this is Morrison and I can't I can't uh, so at this point I'm collecting the issues I'm you know it's part of my Green Lantern collection it's going in my long boxes I'm even buying the trades in paperback not hardcover and putting it on my shelf why am I do- doubling down I'm doubling down because I'm looking at this as an art book. In an art book alone, I guarantee you, when I pull the the Morrison run off of the shelf in trade paperback form, in the future, while I may read it, my primary objective is to just look at the art. And maybe in the last three issues, everything will be uh, made clear, and it'll it'll justify the existence of the entire thing. <laughs> it's all a dream. It's all a dream. How Jordan in the shower. It's all a dream. I had the weirdest dream. Well. You know, like, the the way that it started out, like, in that first issue, where the Book of Oa had, like, um, uh, Dr. Manhattan's, like, icon in it. Right. Like, that kind of, like, set the stage in my head that, like, okay, so maybe, like, with the constantly changing styles, like, that's to signify that while the story is going on that we're reading, like, Mar- um, Dr. Manhattan is, like, changing time. And he keeps on, like, changing things, and we're, like, witnessing what's happening in, you know, with Green Lantern during those all those different transitions. Which, you know, like, from from one perspective, like, if that is the case, then that's, that's pretty cool. Um, and it might explain, like, why a number of things don't make any sense. But, you know, like, I feel like now... We've been going for almost, you know, we're running on 24 issues. You know, when this thing is all said and done. More than know, 24 with the Dark Star stuff. Well, yeah, I, I don't count that, and I don't think anybody does. But regardless, um, you know, even if you even if you do count those, like, that's that many issues that, you know, this is why you're doing what you're doing, if he is. And you're not addressing it for that long. It's just like, like, where's like, it's too long for the payoff. It's too long to, to justify that really odd creative decision. You know, I, I, I can't, I can't really wrap my head around why this book is the way that it is and why it continues to be the way that it is. And, I mean, honestly, I don't really understand why it's as popular as it is, as far as I've heard it is. I'm assuming that it is very popular based on what I've heard. Um, I don't get it. I know that there are people that do like it. I totally understand how, you know, like this is just, you know, crazy fun and it's a throwback to the Silver Age. And, you know, in this comics climate, you know, some people really dig the fact that now there's actually a book that is a throwback to the Silver Age. But I mean, like, 
you know, I, is that is that all you need from a comic to be happy? I mean, you know, shouldn't it like actually like make sense and have a overall arc that is clear and satisfying? And I don't know, like if if there's really that many people that are reading this book and they're like totally, you know, totally jazzed by it by the end of every issue. Like, that's just something that I don't understand. And, you know, that is that is what it is. Um, you know, and they've got their book that they enjoyed for, you know, two seasons. And, you know, after this ends, then another book will start up, and maybe they won't like that, and maybe I will. So, I mean, you know, it's all, it's all good, but it's just, there's, there's just a lot of things about this book that, just make me question the comics industry and fandom in general. Good point. All right, can we put shovel the dirt on this now? <laughs> on to the better stuff. Oh, and um, I'm just going to throw this out there. If anybody looks at the cover and they're thinking, oh, yeah, no, I definitely know what that cover is from, you know, that you're thinking of, and it actually is an existing romance, you know, comic that it's referencing then please like write in call in text in whatever let us know so that um i will have that that closure that's <laughs> a life life is all about closure yes uh so i know we have another topic to move on to i am only throwing this out there not to discuss it, unless you guys want to i'm just throwing it out there for the sake of news uh, on December 15th, and I interacted with this, This is, I would say this is Green Lantern news, uh, Phil Jimenez tweeted, quick Green Lantern question, I don't remember, are there any boy star sapphires? This is random, this is out of the blue, nothing's been announced with Phil Jimenez, but uh, that's a big name in the comic book industry, uh, asking about these sorts of things. And then uh, in terms of... Um, uh, what we were talking about in uh, you know Green Lantern uh, has been slighted quite a lot. Uh, there is a ton of books being announced right now for DC, among which are a lot of anthology titles. And the fact that we don't have a Green Lantern anthology title announced when there's like <laughs> 7,200 characters in the Green Lantern core alone to choose from kind of feels like a slight. Okay, <laughs> well... Let me address that real quick because I, I've been I've been going I've been reading like all about these these freaking solicits and whatnot, and I've actually been talking to Dan about them a lot too. The one that dropped for Infinite Justice or something like that, um, or uh, Future Justice, whatever it is, Future the, State, huh? Future State, uh, whatever. Yeah, like no, it's it's the the Justice League that's going to be coming after Future State. Oh, okay, gotcha. It's like gotcha. it's like infinite justice. Like there's an uh, infinite Superman, an infinite Wonder Woman, and an infinite yeah, you know, I know mystery. What you're yeah, I know what you're talking yeah, yeah. about. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. So infinite mystery is the Batman universe, and they're you know expanding that out even further than you know it was before. You've got Superman, the infinite Superman, which is very cool because we have uh, old school Superboy back. We have Steel. Um, I mentioned to Dan, I said, I'm like, all we need is an Eradicator and a Cyborg Superman, and this would be absolutely perfect. But um, And Wonder Woman, you know, like, that's another thing that they're really developing and, you know, making more, you know, characters that people want to know more about. And nothing with Green Lantern except on the Justice League cover, the Infinite Justice, where they show the teams, they show the new teams that are going to be coming out, the new Justice League. 
the new Teen Titans Academy or Titans Academy or something like that, and the new Suicide Squad. And on every single one of these teams, there are no lanterns. And the only lantern in the entire page is a rather large shot of Jon Stewart, who is sitting behind his broken power battery. So, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, obviously, we're getting a Green Lantern book that it will most likely be detailing Jon Stewart. Um, and we have no word as far as anything else happening with Green Lantern, which is very, very strange considering that we're supposed to be getting a TV show within the next year or so. Uh, maybe a little longer, but, you know, roughly, whatever. They, you know, they've got a show coming. So to have no Green Lanterns whatsoever, you know, is startling. The fact that Jon Stewart is mourning his broken power battery might indicate that that whole thing that spun out of Future State where I guess the solicits say that the power battery dies or something to that effect. Uh, I don't know if that's being reflected, like, now today like you know as soon as future state ends um but like that would explain why there's no lanterns or maybe they don't want anybody to know that they get it up and working again and so they're gonna add the lanterns later and this is just to not spoil anything but either way i mean like we're gonna find out eventually and it's very 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 strange that like chad said you've got all these anthology books and so far nothing based on green lantern that really you know lanes it leads itself to an anthology book more than anybody else yeah so sorry i didn't i i, I there they were i figured they were both you know, newsworthy Green Lantern related items because, especially, I mean, Phil Jimenez is a huge, huge talent. So, the fact that he just randomly out of the blue asked about male star sapphires was kind of interesting. So, I figured we should mention that. Guy Gardner time. <laughs> the only one was wasn't it John Stewart. There was a couple. Uh, so when uh, when Kyle was doing his tour of the rings, uh, that was one. There was one for literally one page, yes, John Stewart, uh, and then there was Guy uh, when he uh, put on both the red and the sapphire. Uh, there were also male lanterns seen in the background of the Wonder Woman uh, annual too. Oh, and we know there have been male hosts of the Predator. Yes. Yeah. All right. So now that we got the unfun part of the episode taken care of, let's talk about more interesting things. Let's talk about all the Disney and. In- investors meeting news that came out which tells you in the covid world how things are because so many people so many people were just watching the live stream for this it was kind of funny i mean i'm not gonna lie i was one of the people but it is also interesting (laughs) it was interesting how they kind of disney being disney is like there were certain things that unless you were actually a legitimate investor you didn't get to see (laughs) they went (laughs) they just like some trailers you got to see and some behind the scenes stuff you got to see and other stuff not so much so, probably we'll talk about mostly the MCU stuff and the Star Wars stuff. Anybody have a preference where we begin? No. None? Not really. All right, so let's 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 do <laughs> let's do the MCU stuff. So, basically so in the MCU, they dropped they gave us another what uh, the final WandaVision trailer. We got to see the first Falcon and the Winter Soldier trailer. We got to see the first Loki trailer. 
Mm-hmm. Um, we saw... Was that the first trailer for What If? I think so. I think it was. Yeah, I know they discussed it, yeah. but... So we saw we saw the what if trailer. They 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 made official like the worst kept secret of the last couple of weeks that uh, Haley Steinfeld is going to be Kate Bishop in the Hawkeye show. They made that official. Yeah, but that was kind of rumored for like a long time. It was, but but it also was at one point discussed and or rumored that she had fallen out of the running for that. But since mm-hmm. obviously they since we had seen footage and, and pictures of her being leaked in costume on set, you know that was like. That that's like one of the worst kept, you know. It it, it was like announcing at Comic Con about uh about uh Thor four when they already had announced it a couple of days before. <laughs> it's like we already know it's coming, so they talk about uh just like talking how basically uh the stuff in WandaVision and Doctor Strange and the multiverse of madness also ties into Spider Man, which we also at this point already know, obviously. <laughs> Even though not surprisingly they, they didn't talk about a whole lot of details about Spider-Man probably because that it since it really is a Sony movie that probably they can't really discuss it unless Sony is ready to reveal. Let's see. They also discussed. Um, I'm trying to remember everything that from from a TV show perspective. Um, oh, the Armor Wars, which is going to be the uh, Rhodey show. Yeah, Don Cheadle. Yep. I'm trying to think of what else off the top of my head without looking at the looking at the list. What the other? Uh, she Hulk. She-Hulk, uh, yes. We talked about Hawkeye. She-Hulk, which, again, one of the worst-kept secrets of all time. That Gee, Mark Ruffalo is going to be in the She-Hulk show. Well, no shit. <laughs> How are you going to yeah. explain her being in the She-Hulk if you're not going to have the Hulk in it at all? I guess you could reference it technically without putting him in it, but why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you put him in it? Uh, Moon Knight, Secret Invasion, Ironheart. Yes, so Moon Knight, they didn't even, but they didn't even confirm Oscar Isaac's role, I mean, participation in that project, I don't believe. But since they announced it, you might as, we might as well take it, you know, take it as a non-confirmed confirmed that he's going to be in it. So they they did mention that. They did mention yes, the secret invasion is kind of odd. That's going to be basically the Nick Fury show. Yes. And Talos. So right. I don't know. I just don't know how. What it's hard to imagine that having the kind of impact it would if it was like a movie, or they were building towards that being like a phase of the movies. So I don't. And Ironheart, I'm I I could get behind Ironheart. I mean, I never read the I never read the, the issues, the, the storyline. So I I I will keep an open mind about that. Is that all the shows? Was that all the shows news? Um, I don't know if it's necessarily a show, but there's the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. Oh, you're right. Yeah, it's true. But we won't be seeing that for like probably another year. I am group. Oh uh, yes, the shorts. Oh, the shorts. Yes, mm-hmm. the shorts. We know they, they talked about Cap, Captain Marvel, which we knew. And the biggest news about that was what they were that uh, Ms. Marvel is going to be in it. That's another like, duh, uh, in yeah. all likelihood. Uh, they talked. They talked about again re- reconfirming because they already said this once that they're not going to recast Black Panther. Chadwick Boseman is not going to be recast. Which right. means they will be killing off T'Challa one way or the other. You know, whether he dies of natural causes, dies in battle, whatever. They're going to be killing off the character since they're not going to be recasting it. Uh, but the interesting thing to note is that they did not, like, they didn't confirm that Letitia Wright was going to be taking the mantle. No, that is true, but... I know, which is something have- that they, like, he had mentioned it. Like previously, oh yeah, like you know she'll she'll take over, and then all of a sudden, like all the controversy with him her on Twitter, and now all of a sudden it's like you know instead of just being like yeah don't worry it's in good hands we're gonna give it to his sister, it's like yeah we're not gonna digitally recreate him 
you know, and um, it's going to focus on the other characters in the world. Like, that's that's telling. Well, I know you and I disagree on this. There was talk all along. It was not 100% confirmed that it was, oh, they were handing the ball off to Shuri. In fact, almost after, as soon as we recorded that episode when we talked about that, there was an article about how supposedly that number one, that the, the script wasn't being, the script had been tinkered with by uh, Ryan Coogler, but it wasn't like a dramatic, complete overhaul. And the idea that Shuri was going to be like one of the people that either was Black Panther or competing for that title, but it wasn't going to be necessarily all hers, which just kind of gives you the idea that maybe there was going to be, whether it's her and Mbuku or whatever, that there was going to be a, it wasn't a, a slam dunk in the course of the actual movie. They weren't just, oh, it's yours. But by the, that's, but it didn't mean by the end of the movie it wasn't going to end up exactly where you figure it's going to go anyway. So I don't personally don't. Now, that doesn't mean they can't change their mind, but Marvel has not really been particularly, they haven't really cared that much to about people dumping people because of their politics. They, have, they haven't done that all that much, uh, one way or the other. Now, yes, her opinion is not the PC opinion of where most people fall in Hollywood, so the reality is, you absolutely are correct that they could change. They could change their mind, but I don't think the fact that they didn't make any major announcements about about that. In fact, if you listen to Kevin Feige talk, it makes it sound like there's got there's more work being done in that movie from a writing perspective than we were led to believe. So maybe that. So maybe that one that article or the articles that imply that oh it wasn't a major overhaul were either being overly optimistic or maybe they just were mis- misunderstanding the information that they received. Because you would think when you're, when the original sequel was obviously going to be focusing on T'Challa and you're just telling the world that you're not recasting that character, there has to be some serious rewriting of the book, I mean, of the movie. So I think well, we have... Good. No, I mean, I could, I could see, like, if the movie was based around the idea that you know, he's going to be spending more time with the Avengers after, you know, after the last phase than, you know, he wants a Black Panther, you know, in uh, to, uh, Wakanda to to basically pick up the slack because he's not going to be there. Like, I could see that being an idea for the movie, like maybe like have him like bouncing back and forth between the Avengers and Wakanda. And all of a sudden he realizes that he's being spread too thin so that he needs to basically assign another Black Panther to Wakanda so that he could go do Avengers. And then later on, if they wanted to kill him off, then they could take whoever they have in Wakanda and just put him right in the Avengers. Like, if that was what they were going to do, then, you know, the writing is basically like, okay, well, we're going to have to write him out sooner. And it's still going to be like the contest to see who's going to be the next Black Panther. It's just that instead of their role being just for Wakanda, it's going to be for the Avengers. Possibly. But one of the big mysteries in the MCU for this phase is what the hell are the Avengers? I don't mean who's in the group. What is the status of the Avengers? Because even in Spider-Man, we don't know what the Avengers are. Are Are the Avengers even an active team at this point? We don't. We don't know. You, we suspect we'll get a little bit of an, ink, an inkling about that once the, once the TV shows start rolling out, which will be in January with WandaVision, then March's uh, Winter Soldier, Falcon. But at the moment, we have no idea what the status of the Avengers in the post, you know, the post blip world. We have no idea what what that is, uh, post Endgame. But I, I I could see that. I I I just think I just don't think we can't we I don't think. 
we should read too much into the Letitia Wright vaccine controversy thing yet to say that oh they're doing a major they're doing a major overhaul or they're pushing her out. They could, but we don't know. I, I, we also know how people have very short term memories of things. I think good. Okay. I think I, I, in terms of the Avengers, I think the 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 biggest uh, announcement that we have that maybe hints at it is actually the 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 film that of of everything that was announced in terms of TV shows and films, the one I was most excited for, interestingly enough, which was Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania, because uh, the minute that they uh, that it was clear that Endgame was going to involve time travel, it immediately launched Kang the Conqueror as the next big threat to the MCU. Like just in my mind, because. I mean, just in terms of Avengers-level threats in just Marvel Comics, there's a top five, and I would I would hope most people would put Kang in there. Uh, so the fact that Kang is showing up in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, I, I don't know. I don't want to say that's Phase 4, Phase five's whatever, in-game sort of goal, like if there's going to be a, a build-up to a, a larger confrontation with that. But then again, Thanos was in, you know, Guardians. So, like, you know, there's so, you know, who, who knows? In, in looking at what the threats are, it's it's hard to tell. Like, there's, the you know, the multiverse of madness is interesting and its ties to Spider-Man. But then, you know, then again, Kang the Conqueror is mentioned here as as being a multiverse hopping villain. Um, so, you know, just this this multiverse concept, time travel, Kang, it, it, I think I feel like Kang is where we're going. Definitely, yeah. Um, I, and they're they're definitely launching it out of uh, Ant Man, and I'm sure you know at some point beyond that he'll pop up again, and that'll be the Avengers movie. But I have a feeling that we'll probably see Doctor Strange like call some kind of Avengers type thing in Multiverse of Madness, if only to let them know that like there's a threat on the horizon or something like that, right? Um, because out of all of them, now that Iron Man is gone, he's the one that can easily contact all the rest of them to assemble them. Which and, yeah. which, which goes along with again so what Doctor Strange role was what his role was always rumored to be that they he was always rumored to be when they first brought him in he was the plan was reported and it would make sense that he was going to basically be taking over like the Tony Stark role. As in right. being the character that was going to be hopping and popping up in different movies, so it's kind of like splitting the difference between Nick Fury's role in the original Avengers build-up, along with Tony's role in the MCU. That he was going to be. That's why getting the right act, you know, getting the right actor for that role, as in not just an actor who could pull it off, but somebody who was committed <laughs> to being. Which is why probably not not that Joaquin Phoenix maybe couldn't have done the role, but but did they really think Joaquin Phoenix would commit to a long-term? You know, being Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, so I right. think so. I think that makes that makes perfect. It makes perfect sense. Plus, we know Doctor Strange is going to be basically taking over basically the Tony role in Spider-Man Three for Tom Holland. Yeah. So Spider-Man Spider-Man Three ties into Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange ties into Miss Marvel and Captain Marvel. So like, and then if they're talking multiverse stuff in both uh, Spider-Man and Doctor Strange, the fact that they label Kang the Conqueror for Quantum Media as multiverse hopping, yeah, there's 
Well, also, the WandaVision leads directly into the Doctor Strange yes. movie. Yep. Yeah, yeah the, like, yeah, the dominoes like, fall from there, pretty much. Yeah. And then we and then we have to... And, of course, I would agree, the fact that they not only confirmed Ant-Man... I mean, we knew it was coming, but the fact that they've got a title now, which means it's obviously getting getting closer to you know having a production schedule and and then a release date, because I don't think it has a release date yet. Besides that news, the fact that they made it clear that the Fantastic Four is coming before X-Men, which really isn't surprising. Who knows? We may get our first hints of the Fantastic Four, maybe in the Ant-Man movie, depending on how they deal with before they yeah. yeah, depending how they deal with Kang and how they deal that we might get the the element of the fa- of the Fantastic Four or the first hint of the Fantastic Four in that movie. And they mentioned Blade, but they didn't give us really anything other than the fact that Blade was still in development. So basically the only thing they told us about Blade was, no, we haven't forgotten it. <laughs> Spider Spider Man three is already too jam packed, but I uh, so I know it's impossible, but I would have hoped that Fantastic Four would have some tie into Spider Man just because of like you know Johnny and uh, Peter's relationship. And yeah, but stuff they have like to that. exist first for that to happen. I know, but uh, you know, I'm just saying. I know. Uh, I I think it makes it makes the most sense with with Ant Man because like um, Hank Pym mm. probably knows who Reed Richards is. Yeah, I agree. The idea of them being lost. You know, being basically those char- they those characters maybe were, you know were again they could be lost in time too but they were they were basically they were they were lost so they they pop back up or, or get recovered to come back into the MCU not necessarily that that they become the Fantastic Four now for the you know in, in current time and you know the no I I that's been rumored for a while that they could pop up that could have ties could have ties to the quantum realm. And for Spider-Man 3, we with all the talk about all these different people that are either rumored and or confirmed, we don't know how long they're going to be in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> I bet you a lot of these, I mean, not everybody, but a lot of these characters might just be there for like a blip. You know, could it, for, as far as we know, it could be something almost like uh, in Guardians 2 when they were, when they were, they were uh, like hyper jumping from scene to scene to scene, like with the Watcher and things like that, that it could, some of these things, some of these cameos could just be like three or four seconds without even speaking but obviously you would assume the garf the garfield and uh and toby wouldn't they would have a bigger role because you can talk when people panicking about oh it's too packed it's like did you see infinity war did you see infinity war (laughs) did uh did we talk about loki other only briefly that they showed the trailer for we didn't have any thoughts about it no okay i don't have any thoughts about it either (laughs) In fact, it looks cool, but I'm also confused a little bit by it because what did he say? Um, oh man, uh, he, he defined it. He defined it as like a crime movie or something like yes. that. Yeah, I, that's interesting because when I when I heard that that he that he said that and then I watched that clip, I was like, wait, what? Uh, what is the what is this show going to be? So, like, at the very least, I'm intrigued, but... Well, it looks... I mean, for what... It looks good. It has a good supporting cast, uh, including including somebody Jim and I love. <laughs> Gugu Mabatha-Ra there. Uh, uh, Owen Wilson looks great, as far as he looks like he is, he'd be funny as he usually is, and so he'd be a good foil for Loki. I did like the idea of Loki being D.B. Cooper, which is why they never found him. That was kind of cool. <laughs> Jumping out of the plane. With the, with the money, uh, yeah, we don't know really what that show is going to be like, but at least it. I mean, 
again, anybody who paid attention would know, I mean, and I don't mean this in a condescending way, I mean, it, it, it's been pretty clear forever that this was going to be the Loki from Endgame. The Loki that basically, that who, who, who should never have, who should never have been allowed to escape, but he, but because of the fiasco of, of the whole kidding Tony Stark and all this stuff that, uh, that he had got the cube again and left. So th- that it's definitely the, definitely the, not our, not our Loki, not our universe's Loki, but that, you know, that timeline's Loki. So, but it'll be, in- it will be interesting to see how that, how that plays out. I'm, I'm looking. The real, I mean, other than honestly, other than the Miss Marvel show, there really isn't a, sh- a show that's coming on that I I don't care about. I mean, I can't say I'm pumped for She-Hulk, but obviously they did some they did some paving the way potentially for Daredevil coming in with Feige's little words about since you know that because you know because it deals with the law and a lawyer that you never know who's going to show up. That I think they're obviously they seem to be paving the way for Daredevil to show up. Cool. But uh, I like Tim Roth. Oh yes, I mean Tim. Yeah, like Tim. I'm, I'm on board if only to see him. But I, I mean, like I think Tatiana Maslany is a fantastic actress. So uh, that's I. I think the Tim Roth thing is. I mean, talk about something that's way overdue. I mean, yeah. the, the, I mean, uh, other than having the leader show up, which is even, even which is even more overdue based on how they how they teased it at the, at the end of the Incredible Hulk. Oh my God! Like, yeah, if they if they have Ty Burrell as the leader. In this show, no, he was Doc Samson. Ty Burrell was Doc Samson. It was what's his face that was the leader. Ty oh. Burrell was Doc Samson. He was Leonard Samson in that movie. It was. And who was the leader? Oh, I'm trying to remember what his name was. Could have sworn it was Ty Burrell. No, Ty Burrell was Samson because he was involved with Betty. Ty Burrell was Samson. Go. I, I'm. I'll. When someone else is talking, I'll look it up. I forget. I forget. I forget his name because he's been in a lot of stuff. He's. A, but he. He was the guy. He's the guy who was the leader. Uh, Ty Burrell technically would be. Would be. Samson. If they if they brought him back in, he's he's Samson. But the leader is way overdue. But the the abomination, yeah, the, the abomination is way overdue to, be, to to make a to make a reappearance since he was a rare Marvel villain that wasn't killed um, in the early stages. Sort of doing away with everybody's arch villain, they kind of or or taking them out, taking them out when he wasn't coming back anytime soon, like the red like Red Skull. So I that that was I was kind of that was exciting news. They did a good job of throwing in tidbits, little to make to make some some projects look more in, sound more interesting. But nonetheless, um, so what? So Chad, for you, the the thing, the uh, the Ant Man thing was the big for 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 a franchise you you don't particularly like all that much. Was that, was that the most exciting news for you about from Marvel? Yeah. Uh, so like, look, I, I like the idea of a multiverse. I like the idea of exploring it. It does feel a little bit like multiverse is the drug of the minute in terms of sci-fi. Um, so uh, you know, we'll see how it goes. It's going to be very hard for you know, because like the Spider-Man three stuff is interesting. It's fun. You know, let's whatever. Let's do that. But like, um, and uh, you know, but. I, it's gonna be very hard to top into the Spider Verse. It's yeah, it just in terms of, uh, I mean, God fucking everything. But like, uh, I'm I'm there for it. I was always interested in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness from the moment they said that Wanda was going to be involved because the idea of her, him training her and uh, helping her out and stuff. Because up until now, her power has been basically just natural. Uh, in terms of coming from you know the the stone and Loki scepter, but like you know it's 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 not been 
it's not been uh, pushed as magic. It's not been used in that way. So I'm definitely still interested in the multiverse of madness, but my main thing is definitely uh, my main thing is most definitely uh, quantum mania in terms of things that were announced that I didn't already know about. I do, and I don't I, I know you have a natural preference for not just Miles Morales I don't think but just that version that that you like that movie a lot and you were a big fan I I don't know if the I don't know if everybody is is going to use that as the gold standard of a multiverse crossovers I think a lot of people would be much more excited about live action crossovers whether it's Spider-Man whether it's the idea of bringing in different versions whether it's bringing in different versions you know the idea of bringing in potentially having the recast like recast X-Men with some of the class with some of the previous X-Men that we saw things like I think for I think a lot of people would be a hell, honestly would be a hell of a lot more interested that than, than than the animated into the multiverse movie that which doesn't say that it wasn't good it's just that I think that's a really that's that's an even more of a niche right there, not just because it's Miles Morales to focus on, but just because it's animated and a lot of the characters they use people never even heard of. Does these versions well, I know, of Spider-Man? I, I, I know, but what what I'm what I'm saying is doing the multiverse concept. I'm not necessarily saying you know that I wouldn't be interested in a live action or anything to the, to that effect. What I'm saying is. The look, the feel, the characters, the story, the the everything about Into the Spider Verse, I just the soundtrack. I just loved the holy hell out of. And in terms of a multiverse story, I don't see a live action version coming close to it unless it's just done. I'm not a filmmaker. I, I don't have that that the ability to imagine that what it could look like in my head, but it's just, it's for me in terms of telling that story, not necessarily the look in terms of animated versus live action, but just telling the story of, uh, uh, you know, of a multiverse introducing that concept, uh, playing with it, utilizing it for laughs, for seriousness, so on and so forth. Um, it, it, it just hit so many perfect notes for me that I, I, uh, it's it's just hard for me to fathom anything. Another animated film, uh, a live action film, a series. It doesn't freaking matter the medium. Um, it's just hard for me to imagine a a multiverse story being told that surpasses right now in my mind surpasses where uh, Into the Spider Verse is. Well, we'll see. I, I would I and I understand that's that's obviously your your personal preference on it, right? I, but. But I, I, I but certainly from a from a from a cheddar cheese perspective, from a money making perspective, oh, yeah, sure, yeah. I am absolutely sure that they have more that they and I think they're absolutely correct to assume that they, if they that doing this in the in the doing this movie wise and in potentially crossing over into the TV show world of the MCU, bringing in different versions of these characters and and tying into different Marvel Marvel movies that are not MCU movies. Yeah, I think they I think they are correct in that the majority of people would be down for that and that they're not and that they are not going to be as I mean, if they did something with Secret Wars, I think that conceptually that I mean, more, more people would be could get would be into that than would then by far they'd be into you know the, the into the Spider-Verse just because it's, again it, it, cro- it crosses over into so many things and so many characters as opposed to I mean, let's be honest, I'm into the into the Spider-Verse really relies on your ability to 
that you care about Miles Morales. If you really don't like Miles Morales, you could, if you had no, if you had no background at all, yes, the movie would probably work, still work for you. But if you, but if you were introduced to the character and it meant nothing to you, then yes, they had Peter playing a major role. But that does rise in the conceptually in keeping. If they do a doing sequels and things like that, it relies on your interest in Miles Morales, who is not. Spider-Man to the overwhelming majority of comic fans, he's certainly not the one true Spider-Man. So, I think they absolutely, I mean, it's Feige, I have a hell of a lot more faith in Feige doing stuff than whatever you know DC is going to ever try to do if they, you know, with their multiverse crap. Um, still with us, Jim? I'm still here. Yeah, um, what you call it? I'm just going to mention, uh, you're right, it was Tim Blake Nelson who played Samuel Stearns who would have been the leader. I do not know why I thought Ty Burrell was uh, set up to be the leader, but he really would have been an awesome one. Yes, he would have. Uh, <laughs> more, I think more, they, they missed the boat on that one. Yeah, he doesn't look. Even I mean, he doesn't mean he do, he didn't even look like pre gamma radiation Doc Samson all that much. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so well, that's that's a shame. Yeah. Um, the, the the Into the Spider Verse movie. I think that was. That's probably more like a proof of concept for doing multiverse type stuff. It did extremely well for an animated movie. It would not do the numbers that a live action multiverse Spider-Man movie will do. Um, I mean, like, you know, this Spider-Man 3 with all these other, you know, Spider-Man actors, it's going to break the billion dollar mark. No, no problem. Um, but, uh. I mean that said, I do think that if you're if you're a Peter Parker fan, you can watch Into the Spider Verse, and at the end you're left caring about who Miles Morales is, and you're totally signed on for the sequel because you know that even if you're like if Miles Morales isn't your favorite Spider-Man, you're gonna see other awesome ones that you'll enjoy as well. I agree. I think that's a good that's a good point. And at the end of the day, it, it is an ensemble movie, and you know they had enough cool versions of Spider-Man that there's something for everybody. I agree with that too. Shall we move on? Yes. Mm-hmm. Any, so any anything else on for Marvel before we move on to? Yeah, I'm good. All right. So let's let's roll on. Let's roll on to Star Wars. Uh, Star Wars had some interesting news too. Uh, again, t- as we follow the tr- the pattern of like worst kept secrets of all time, the fact that Ahsoka. Tano is going to get her own spinoff TV show out of The Mandalorian. That was not particularly surprising to anybody at all. <laughs> that that was that was that was just that was by the worst kept that was the worst kept secret after the fact that Rosario Dawson was going to be Ahsoka Tano this season in The Mandalorian. <laughs> uh, so yes, yeah, so she so she that will be one of the two direct spinoffs for the Mandalorian with what the Rangers of the New Republic being the other and I guess they 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 definitely made they they made it clear that there's going to be a crossing over of those three shows so there's going to be some um, some plot intermingling or some ongoing storyline that you know they'll it'll probably just be one story I'm sure it's not going to be the they're not I don't think they try to intermingle all three shows together all the time um, and for, for an entire season but we know there will be there will be some crossing over in in that so so that was that was kind of that was kind of cool no I, I don't think anybody necessarily suspect the Rangers of the New Republic was the only surprise of of those of that those two announcements we knew the obi-wan show was just about to 
start filming because we had heard about that. Even Hayden Hayden Christensen coming back as Darth Vader is not again that was rumored, but then again, Lucasfilm spoke. They've they've kind of crapped on Hayden Christensen so much you didn't necessarily know if it was going to happen. Probably the project that would get him to come back since he was supposed to be in what Rise of Skywalker and supposedly his scenes got cut and everything else. Working with Ewan McGregor again that probably was a, that probably was an easier sell. Now I'm a little concerned about that how they're going to make that work since the, since originally the when they first said that oh you know Vader and Obi Wan were going to you know basically meet again. I was thinking well you know that's not it does. I was not necessarily thinking they were actually going to have a new meeting. That maybe this was going to be like a flashback, or this was going to be some kind of some kind of vision or something. But then, but then, according to the stuff we didn't see, since they they didn't show us the little interview with Ewan McGregor and everybody else that they I think they did for that in that segment, that I think it was more clearly stated or more less open to interpretation that yes, they're going to end up having a actual confrontation post Revenge of the Sith, but obviously pre. Episode four, and I don't necessarily know how I feel about that. I think it might work. I mean, if you're looking for lines of dialogue, it might work since Vader's. Li- I think everybody points to Vader's line in Return of the Jedi about Obi Wan once thought as you do, and we never really got a whole lot of that in Revenge of the Sith of Obi Wan truly trying to bring Anakin back from the dark side. But I think there was enough of a, of their talk about it. I think you could make the case that that was. You know, that Obi-Wan did kind of want him back, but realized he was so far gone based on what his, his worldview at that point. I mean, it'll be cool to see. It, I'm, I'm happy for I'm happy for Hayden that he's coming back for that. That, that should be cool. We know they're doing the Cassian Andor show, which I don't necessarily know we need. But the, the, <laughs> nobody needs that. I don't. I mean, he he was okay as a character. I don't. I mean, if they're gonna have what K two or whatever, they're gonna have whatever or whatever the hell the S O, whatever the hell his droid was with him. I guess. Yeah, K two S O. That's yeah, right. Yeah, that that is a plus. But other than that, I don't necessarily know if we really need that. We need that show. Um, I'll the, tell you what that show could bring. That. You know, because of the time that it's set, they could definitely do, um, what you call it, uh, Han Solo in that show. Yeah, you're right. They could. Based on time frame, they they, they probably could do uh, if they wanted to bring you know who back to do some more work. Since yeah, they could they could do that. Which I guess theoretically also means that if they, they could do Darth Maul too, depending how early set in the how early that is set during the Rebellion era time frame wise. Um, yeah, but so they had. Let's see. They did, so they did that. We know that we know they're doing the so Rogue Rogue Squadron is going to be the movie. Rogue Squadron is uh, Patty Jenkins' movie, right? So so that'll be that. So that they didn't. They really didn't announce many movies. That's the one I'm most looking forward to is Rogue Squadron because of honestly because of that little trailer uh, that. Just had Patty Jenkins talking about it because freaking Patty Jenkins is Hal Jordan. <laughs> Her dad was a was a fighter pilot who died in an accident when she was seven, Jesus. and she idolized him, and she looked <laughs> up to him. And the most thrilling thing in the world was watching him and his squadron take off. If that's not fucking Hal Jordan's childhood, <laughs> like. 
So we, we have. So we what's your point, Chad? Chad? What's your point? <laughs> Al Jordan is telling a, a Star Wars fighter pilot story. <laughs> is that why she passed on um, on the Green Lantern movie? Oh, I don't know. I don't think she was ever offered the Green Lantern movie. You yeah, mean you, that... you mean you mean whatever they're going to do now, as opposed to the first one? I don't. Because um, I don't think no, she was. I, think, any... I thought I, I I read something about that. Yeah, Cosmic Book News. It looks like when we look in here. Because um, I don't remember that she was there. But then again, nobody really knew. She, nobody knew who she really was back in 2011. So if if, that, if they were talking about the 2011 movie that she could have had, but she passed on it. Uh, yeah, no, uh, John's right. Cosmic Book News, which you know, yeah, uh, questionable. It's a questionable site to begin with. But uh, it sounds like Patty Jenkins passed on Green Lantern. Which right, but all, all all they do is is all they do over on Cosmic News in this article, they point out that she's the Wonder Woman director and that she's quote jumping ship to go work on the Star Wars film, and say uh, she says in her video in the trailer I watched that uh, she always wanted to do like uh, let's see uh, what's the actual quote. Um, so when he lost his life and service to his country, it ignited a desire in me to turn all that tragedy and thrill into one day making the greatest fighter pilot movie of all time. But try as I might and look as I did, I couldn't find the right story ever. I kept looking and looking, but couldn't find the right one until now. So what they're saying is, oh, she jumped ship from DC by going to Star Wars. Uh, and she's also saying that she kept looking for a great fighter pilot movie and never found one. So she must have passed on Green Lantern. They're they're. They're, oh, they're, geez, they're making, that's yeah, that's a stretch. Yeah, yeah, and 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 actually, if you even even I'm looking at the article now, even even what they said is that uh, Jenkins may have made a smart move passing on Green Lantern as the upcoming Green Lantern HBO Max series will be 100% woke. Blah 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 blah. The point is, it seems like they're still talking about something in our time frame now, as opposed to back in 2011. Yeah. Uh, but either way, yeah, that 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 means. That means nothing. Um, but yeah, they're making a ton of leaps. So yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I mean, I'm interested in Rogue Squadron. Uh, are they going to de-age Wedge? <laughs> are they going to CGI Wedge Antilles? Because uh, I'm, I'm assuming Rogue Squadron's taking place during the time of the Empire. I'm going to assume. Um, Could, but I just, I, I don't know, and I don't know enough about Star Wars to even know if this is true. But does it necessarily have to? Can't you just no. take the Rogue Squadron name? It could yes. be. It could they, they? They could, but it seems like they're really trying to avoid doing anything related. It seems like they're going out of the, the way to avoid anything set in the in the sequel trilogy era. So mm. I, I well, you could try to do in between. I guess you could try to split the difference and do post em, post Empire. But then again, then you fall into the kind of like the Mandalorian time frame. Well, they could extent. they could set something like immediately before the Mandalorian time frame though. But that would still be the em- that would be the end of the empire. It would be like well, uh, Mandalorian takes place like within what ten years after the empire's you know dead, right? Yeah, but I think I actually for some reason I thought the time frame. I think it's you're right. It might be within ten, but I think it's for some reason I think it's even sh- a shorter period of time from the yeah, fall of the empire. I think it's it's between like it's somewhere between five and fifteen. I don't remember the exact number, but. You know, like, whatever the number is, like, we know that there is a block of time where, you know, the transition, 
you know, is wreaking havoc across the universe and, you know, like whatever, you know, like they could be setting something up in Mandalorian the next season that references something that happened before the first episode of the first season that is then explained in Rogue Squadron or, you know, or it's set after the sequels. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. Rogue, I mean, but it's a, but it, we also have to remember it's a movie. Cause it's not a series, so because it's a movie, you have to try to look at. I think. Well, when I mean, you also look at the how much people liked Rogue One. Rogue Squadron was the mo- was the video game. Yeah. So is this based on that? I don't. Think I mean, so. I, but Rogue. I don't. I, I don't know that it needs to be. I think if you just take the word Rogue Squadron, it's like Squadron of Rogues and just X Wings. Like, let's just tell that story. Does it? Does it have to be connected to the games? Is it? I'm pretty sure there was a book or two called Rogue Squadron. Um, you know, like. But that's that's tied to the the, the game. Oh. Um, in which case, the game's first 15 levels occur six months after the Battle of Yavin, uh, as depicted in A New Hope, and before the events in The Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, it also so. says Rogue Squadron, also referred to as Rogue Group, was a Rebel Alliance starfighter squadron founded by Luke Skywalker during the Galactic Civil War. Um, I, I, I don't know that they go that far with it. Why? It's the most know. popular era in Star Wars. Why? It's Rogue One kind of proved since Rogue One was actually right, you know, right at the cusp of literally the Star Wars that we. I would be personally, I would be surprised if they're doing a Rogue Squadron movie that doesn't take place during the fight against the Empire. <laughs> it, it it just it could they could do something, but it's the era that almost everybody likes, and there's so many things you could do with it that it just it just. But it it might come down to what Patty Jenkins' vision is, but. It would seem, it would seem that uh, that would, you know, when I first heard that, and it's that I was thinking, oh, it's going it's gonna to take place during during the war against the empire, because that's where, that's essentially where the term and where the the you know the squadron, you know, where the reputation and everything was born from. Uh, but okay, um, it is according to an IGN interview, an entirely new and original story, and not an adaptation of the novel or video game series. It also says that it is a it will introduce a new generation of starfighter pilots as they earn their wings and risk their lives in a boundary pushing high speed thrill ride. Which doesn't tell us all that much. <laughs> but it could, how, it could imply that it's post you know Yeah, post everything. Well, you think about it from that perspective, if they if they did it post some they did it post the war against the empire. If they did want to have Wedge as an instructor, they could do that. <laughs> as a cameo, we could do that. Uh, we'll see. I mean, I think that'll 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 be interesting to see how people react to that. If it completely has nothing to do with with the empire or not or not immediately after. I think they'll uh, they would be smart to avoid tying it into the sequel trilogy, which yeah. they seem to be doing. They trying to be dis- They seem to be distancing themselves smartly, probably away from that across the board. Uh, just touching on. If you're if you're going to try and do some new Star Wars past everything that exists, giving it to uh, giving it to her is, is probably a pretty good idea. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, she has a good she has a good reputation. So even if you're gonna even if you're gonna go into uh, into an era or be close to an era that people don't care care as much about, that that could that could be smoothing things over. Just kind of the way like the Mandalorian has helped be the the uh, Listerine to get the bad taste out of most people's mouths from the se- from the sequel trilogy that almost nobody cares much about 
even the ones who the people who really liked Force Awakens, which were a lot of people, not the last the other two movies. So, just wanting to me- I wanted to mention before we we can still t- keep talking about this, but I wanted to throw out just because we're we're running somewhat long, just to throw out some of the other projects we might want to talk about. We know there's going to be what the uh, the Lando was the Lando series. Do we know if the Lando series has absolutely been confirmed to be live action or not, or was it completely left up to interpretation? I didn't hear any details about that one because they didn't announce. Because I know they didn't announce Donald Glover being attached to it, nor did they announce Billy D. Williams being attached to it. So I don't. (laughs) So I kind of think to that. I would suspect that might. That opens the door to it potentially being animated because you would think if it was live action, they would have wanted to say, oh, Donald Glover. Or or, or both, depending on how the series is being told, almost like an, an Indiana, an, the Indiana Jones thing, where you have could have an old version of the character in some, in some stories, an older version and a younger version in others. But they didn't announce that, so I thought I thought that was odd. But they're doing Visions, which is what an animated, that's another animated show. Uh, and they're doing what, a droid was it? A, was it a droid story? Is that what the thing with R two and three PO on the adventure um, that they're supposed to be going on? Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, and I'm, did, did, we, did we miss? Did they miss something? Which I probably did. I there, there were a bunch of projects coming out. Like I think there was one um, where it might be about like a young. Um, oh, the younger and. Yeah, the yeah. acolyte thing, which is from that controver- the the chick everybody was up in arms about being tied. One of the Kathleen Kennedy acolytes, no pun intended, getting get, that's I think that's her project where it's. But I, this is, but I think that's set like either like in the like in the the somewhere in the old Republic era though, or bef- so it, I think it's before you know before the rule. I think it's before the rule of two. I think ever came into play. I think conceptually that show is. The yeah, the only thing that I heard tied to that was uh, young Palpatine and Darth Plagueis. No, I don't think that's in that. Sh- I don't think that's what that acolyte show is. I mean, it it might not be, but that's that's the like out of everything, like all the like um, the stuff that we haven't actually seen. That was the only thing that I heard about with the Star Wars stuff. Gordon, let's see. It says uh, the show focused on the emergence of a, of dark side powers in the final days of the High Republic era. That's the, that's what that show is supposed to be about. Now, trust me, I'd rather the Palpatine thing would be more interesting, but mm. uh, that probably would make a better movie, though, in a way. But then, nah, maybe not because you, if, if you're trying to actually do Darth Plagueis justice, which the Darth Darth Plagueis book didn't, because essentially half the book was basically Palpatine. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it could it could be that that book that that could be interesting. Um, I mean, that's, that show could be. That, could be interesting. And there's still some more shows I think they didn't announce that because it's supposed to be what 10, something like 10, at least 10 ongoing shows or something. So there's still some rumors of what other shows could be. But that, that was a lot of stuff they announced. Yes. So, I don't, so unlike Comic-Con, I don't think anybody, I don't think anybody was disappointed with either, either the news that was announced or even some of the footage that we got, even tying it into Marvel, too. I think they actually did a good job with that because I don't think everybody expected to get a trailer. I mean, maybe it probably wasn't surprising we got a we got a Falcon and the Winter Soldier uh, trailer, considering the fact that that was should have been the first show that was going to air if not for COVID. Mm-hmm. But the Loki trailer I think surprised people, and something we didn't mention at all that uh, perhaps the biggest surprise of the whole thing was that they did not announce that Black Widow was going to. <laughs> 
Disney Plus or on virtual, you know, on, on high high priced video on demand yet. Which they don't have to because the movie's not until May. They have time to kick that can down the road still. But a lot of people were suspecting that it, they were going. Whether they did it just because hey, they they already knew. Well, considering what all the crap Warner Brothers got from their HBO Max decision, that to not pile on. Or because of the fact that simply they had time to do, they they don't need to rush into this because they have, at the time, they had like about six months before this movie even comes out. They can wait another couple of months because you know they have contingencies in place. And just because, throwing this out quick, just because Chad and I, we, we know, we've been talking about this lately. Yes, H, HBO Max, finally, Warner Brothers finally made their deal with Roku. So it's so HBO Max is going to be available on Roku. What what day is it, Chad? Like this, is it like now or is it like a couple of days? Now, now, yeah. So as of the time we're recording this, that Roku. If you have Roku and you want HBO Max, you can finally get it. So well, okay then. We knew we were going to mention it, but there was no there was no natural. But we didn't set. We didn't really talk about HBO Max much, and that was since I was that was I figured that was the segue to at least throw that out there. That yes. Well, you know, when you don't have a natural segue, then it's also acceptable to just be like, segue! <laughs> and now for and something completely st- different. And then just start talking about something else. Segue! Wrap it up. Yep. <laughs> so any other thoughts on the Star Wars stuff? I, I figure the Star Wars stuff would be less interesting than across for all of us, all three well, of us. Well, I mean, we just got, we have a lot less details about the Star true. Wars stuff. And we know about the characters of Marvel. So, I mean, you know, like, <laughs> it's like, oh, there's a She-Hulk show. Okay, well, I mean, we have a pretty good idea what that means. We can discuss it. You know, it's like, okay, well, Star Wars is coming out with something called, like, you know, the Dark Undershadow. Oh, well, what the hell is that? Yeah. Like? No. Um, the the thing that's um, the other show that's set in the Mandalorian time frame. What was that one called? The Rangers of the New Republic. So, is that like Cara Dune? I'm going to assume it's Cara Dune and, and probably that the X-Wing pilot we've seen pop up a couple of times. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being being a factor. But you have to assume that's what's going to happen with Cara Dune. Um, because it also would make sense if they're going to do the, the inter-show crossovers with that and Ahsoka right. and Mandalorian that... Obviously, Cara Dune has ties to the Mandalorian. So does you know. So does the, the X-wing pilot to a to a lesser extent. Ahsoka has ties to the Mandalorian, and whoever you know, depending on the, on the the co-stars of you know, the the supporting characters. So I I would suspect that because we also don't know what season three of the Mandalorian is going to be focused on. So maybe simply put, there isn't as much of a role for a, a Cara Dune character and what and what they're doing in season three. So this is a way to keep her around. And give, giving her something, re, you know, relevant, giving her something relevant to do. I would, but I would say yes. I would be stunned if Gina Carano isn't isn't in that show or probably the lead of that show. And to be fair, moving any controversy around her aside, that's like the best stuff she's ever done. Because because the criticism about Gina Carano was never that she wasn't attractive or that she didn't look like she could beat the crap out of you. It was the fact that she wasn't a good actress. And I think she's gotten a lot better on The Mandalorian. <laughs> she seems more I mean, natural. Yeah, I don't think that that role requires a lot, but I think she does a decent job. Yeah, I think, I mean, I agree, but I think she's done a lot of roles in which that she didn't, not a lot was required out of her. Like when she was in the Fast, whichever Fast and Furious movie she was in, I think that was either the fifth one or the sixth one, and she she wasn't particularly good. Well, Uh, I mean, 
I think that might also have something to do with the directors. Yeah, but they, have, mean, some de- they, they have some decent yeah, directors for those for those movies, like Justin Lin and other people. I mean, I, you could be right. I'm not saying that you're wrong, but yeah. But I mean, I mean, you're talking about like some of the best directors in the biz, like doing the Mandalorian episode. No, you. I know you were preoccupied at the time I was talking about this. Any 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 thoughts on the whole on the Obi, on the Obi Wan show and whether. Obi Wan and Vader really should have another lightsaber duel be- between Mustafar and, and the Death Star. Oh, yeah, you know, it's, I, I meant to comment on this, and I, you know, I lost my train of thought by the time you were done. Um, I can't imagine that Hayden is, you know, playing anything other than like either um, flashbacks or perhaps some kind of forced projection of Darth Vader to wherever Obi-Wan is. You know, like, that's a way of getting around it where, you know, like, they don't have to show Vader, or they can use Vader sparingly, and he's just, like, you know, force-projecting himself as Hayden, you know, um, to Obi-Wan. I don't... If I hadn't read some of the details about what they said the footage was... That we didn't get to see when they during that segment, I would agree with you. I, because remember the key the key words were they never said he was coming back as Anakin. He was coming back as Vader. But people have to remember from the time from the time Mace Windu went out that win, window, he was already Darth Vader for that before he got put into the suit. Right. So there's so there's absolutely stuff they can do with him as Darth Vader before the fight on Mustafar and flashbacks, but the stuff at the Jedi Temple maybe they tied into Grogu. What happened with Grogu? Yeah. Uh, there's lots of things, but I also, but they, but re- reading about the description of some of the stuff they discussed in that missing footage for us, it definitely made it sound like yes, there was going to be an actual confrontation between Vader and Obi Wan post Mustafar. Now, yes, it may not be real. It could be a projection. It could be a vision somehow. Yeah. Uh, just like I'm sure you're probably gonna see Hayden in the Vader suit without his helmet on, uh, because I think you're gonna see that. It would be yeah, but it, that like honestly, between the voice and the the burns, they could literally put anybody in that suit. No, I know I agree with that. That's why I think there's going to have to be a combination. I think you'll have flashbacks. I think there'll be scenes of of him being Vader, but you know pre most of you know pre most of our Fallout Vader. I think there could be there could be Anakin. They could even though they didn't say Anakin, but still, obviously, it could be Anakin flashbacks. But I think you know if he's gonna, I think it's likely we're gonna see him without his in the Vader suit without his helmet on, where you where you kind of like what they kind of what they did in uh, the Rebels when with Ahsoka in and Anakin, which is another thing they could do that you could have a scene if they are gonna have a conflict between Obi Wan and. And Vader, you could have Vader's voice modulator get damaged like what happened with Ahsoka, and that way you could actually have Hayden's do the voice. Hmm. Um, but, well, you know, we'll, we will see about that. I don't know how I feel about that. Now, the thing is, obviously, he can't call... They have, And they were really good about this in Rebels. And, making, and it would make sense, because Vader probably wouldn't do this anyway, even though he did refer to Obi-Wan as Obi-Wan constantly talking to other people. Once in a while, he said Kenobi like to Tarkin, but almost every other reference to Kenobi in episodes five and six, he always said Obi Wan, no matter who he was talking to, including the Emperor, which I think showed the thawing of Vader and kind of realized, you know, that he didn't. That, but either way, you can't have Vader refer to him as Obi Wan, or else that whole line about now there's a name I've not heard in a long time, 
that really loses its power if it's only been like eight years. <laughs> That's not a long time. Not hearing it in 20 years, essentially, that. And they worked around that nicely in Rebels because they had Ezra call him Master Kenobi. He didn't call him Obi-Wan. And even Darth Maul, I don't think, called him Obi-Wan. He just called him Kenobi. So they worked around that nicely. But if they if they fuck up, which they probably won't because it's Filoni and, and Favreau, you assume uh, they will, you know... Even if Chow is actually doing that show, what Deborah Chow, I think, is doing that show. But I think if they, if they're, somebody will probably catch it. But if they, if they screw up on that, then that's a problem. They pro, they can make it work. I don't know how I really feel about. I don't think you necessarily needed to have a fight between Vader and Obi Wan before the Death Star. I think it lessens the impact of that fight. I agree. But it it could be done well. But I as one thing. I mean, you kind of knew Vader. It made sense to have Vader have some kind of presence. I'm still not gung ho with the idea of Obi Wan going off at Tatooine. Cause it kind of does make him his his hover his and I mean this in a good way. His hovering over Luke. It kind of you know it it does weaken that because he's literally taking himself off the planet. So for even if it's only for a, a now maybe it's a vital mission that he has to that you know. But even that, I was going to say, maybe it's a vital mission to help uh, Bail Organa, but the whole point was in Rogue One, we saw the fact that Bail Organa supposedly hadn't reached out to, o- to Obi-Wan. Mm. So I I don't know. I, I'm interested in that show, clearly, but I, I, I it makes me... I'm a little cautious about retconning stuff. <laughs> uh, when it comes to that. Cautiously optimistic? <laughs> yes, I'm cautiously optimistic. And I do want... And, be, and I think it's cool to have Obi-Wan... To have, Ewan and Hayden together again, no matter how no matter how we see it. But the reality is, I'm a little. We'll have to see how they pull it off. But all right, so we're good. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. All right, so let me let me drift into our our closing here. Lanterncast at gmail dot com. Uh, the website is lanterncast dot com. We can. <laughs> That was good, Jim. No one will know what I'm laughing at, but it's staying in the episode. <laughs> oh, God. Because uh, <laughs> we all know the world revolves around what you said. <laughs> uh, none, nonetheless, uh, yes, lanterncast.com, lanterncast at gmail.com, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, and whatever the hell else we're on. <laughs> Spotify. Uh, Spotify. Spotify, I got it. I pulled it out. I pulled it out. Uh, whichever platform you listen to us on, please leave us a positive review. Twitter and Facebook, hashtag, hashtag GeoCast to locate us on those. And last but not least, you know the number by now. You don't use, use it, but you know what the number is. 708 Lantern, and let us know what you think. And don't ask us what's next because we have no idea. Well, thanks for coming on, Jim. <laughs> Good night, guys. Thank Good you. Night. You're welcome. Yeah, it was, it was fun as always, Jim. So. Yes. Yeah, Good night, everybody. Next up should be the Christmas. No, go ahead. Next up should be the Christmas special. Yeah, but we have to find a time to record, should. and we don't have it. Should. Should. We'll see. But, you, but we just said we weren't going to say what we should be next. <laughs> no, I said I said should sarcastically, as in oh, like should. I don't know I don't know when we're going to have time to, yes. to do it. I just put it this way. Ideally, in a perfect world, the next episode would be a holiday year and year in review wrap up, which will come out the year of, of New Year's, the week of New Year's. The odds of that happening are probably remote because of being able to put it together and record. And, and I don't, even without bringing on a thousand people, it may not be logistically possible. So if not, we don't know. Maybe 
probably the odds are there won't be an episode that week if we don't do some holiday episode. But yeah, but we will see. <laughs> Good night, Sounds everybody. Good night. So long.